moving, I'm coding all night. Project won't compile, it'll be alright. Computer science for life, and that's my direction. Instead of B-Balls, my home is throw exceptions. Welcome to Dangerous Minds, where we delve into the minds of biohackers, grinders, and take a closer look at the tech being implanted and developed by this community. Joining us tonight on this program is Cooper, a Texan sysadmin that's new to the biohacking scene, and Cursor, a British graduate student specializing in RF technology. So up first, we want to thank our sponsors, uh, Dangerous Things, who delivers custom gantry for the discerning hacker and biohacker. So check them out at DangerousThings.com. And if you or your organization is interested in sponsoring the efforts of the Dangerous Minds podcast, please feel free to reach us out on Twitter via hashtag DangerousMindsPodcast or at DangerousMinds.io, and we'd be glad to talk to you about now this week on Dangerous Minds Podcast, we have Rich Lee. We want to thank you for joining us today, and could you start by introducing yourself and telling us what biohacking grinding means to you and your own grind, as it were? Uh, sure. My name is Rich Lee. Um, basically, to me, biohacking is, uh, uh, is a definition that I always, uh, I, I change usually whenever anyone asks me, but, but I'm going <laughs> to stick to the, uh, the definition that DIY bio uh, uses, which is uh, engaging with biology using the hacker ethic. So I, I think that that's a, that's a pretty good one. And basically for me, um, it's, uh, I, I've, I've done a few different grinds, um, probably w most well known for my, my headphone implants I did back in 2013. Uh, I've also got, uh, some other ones that are still in the works that they're, uh, much anticipated like the Lovetron 9000. So we got, we've got to get onto a few of those as, as we go in. Um, just before we do though, uh, what sort of like, what's your story behind biohacking? How did you get into it? And sort of what, what made you make the first step? Okay. So basically, uh, you know, ever since I was a kid, I was into like, uh, you know, science and technology and, and, um, you know, watching different shows like the Jetsons, right. When, when I was a kid, uh, where they've got robot maids and, uh, flying cars, you know, stuff like that. And it's just, it, it's like a life of luxury, basically, you know, where your technology takes care of you kind of a deal. And, uh, so honestly, like I grew up listening to futurists and reading magazines, you know, where, where these things were being predicted and, and uh, people were just saying, oh, hey, you know, someday this is going to happen for you. And, um, you know, <clears throat> I always just kind of had in, in the back of my mind, you know, maybe I'm going to live forever because there's going to be like a life extension drug that's going to come out on the market or something like that. And uh, anyway, my, my grandmother passed away in, um, I want to say, uh, 2007, 2008, something, I think it was 2008. And uh, she left me a bunch of her old magazine, she would, she just would hoard all kinds of different things. But anyways, for some reason I got, uh, her magazine collection and these were full of like, uh, old, like, uh, Omni magazines and, and even further back, you know, popular mechanics and, and things like that. And so I just flipped through it and, and, and a lot of them were filled with futurist predictions and things like that. Just, just like a lot of the magazines we read now. And basically they were all saying the same thing that they're saying now is like someday, you know, technology is just going to take care of you, you know? And, uh, that the more I read, the more I was disturbed by this idea that I had become basically a passive, uh, I, I'd become passively involved in my future. I was just planning on someday this, this was going to be made available to me. I'd be able to buy it and then, you know, live, live a life of, uh, of luxury, um, <clears throat> where technology just kind of took care of me and, and, and things like that. But the more I looked at it, you know, I was seeing articles, probably my favorite one was 
there was an article that showed a guy pulling a bunch of levers in some factory, you know, this back in the 20s or 30s that this uh, this article was, well, let's see, I'm not sure when this one was, but anyway, so it's some guys in there pulling a bunch of levers in a factory and there's a robot next to him doing the same thing. And more or less the caption was, someday robots will make it so that you only have to work a 20 hour work week. <laughs> and it was so naive that the, the notion that Someday you're going to be able to make, uh, there's going to be a robot that you can just take to work with you. This robot's going to be able to do your job for you, you know, or, or help you out. And then you'll only have to work 20 hours a week because, you know, you'll get your the rest of it done. But that, that, that's really not the way it pan, you know, panned out. It, the bosses just went and bought the robots and fired the people. And that's kind of like all the technology we've been running into, really. It's like, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that could have made life easier. But now it's like now it's like one of those things that is just going to make your life harder if you if it's something you don't have, you know. Or if it's some so basically uh, what I what I did is I, I looked at all these things and I I, I you know I kind of came to the realization like you know wow I'm I'm just waiting for the future to happen and so did all these people and the more I dove into it you know the more I realized that people you know back uh, for, geez since uh, late 1800s have been have been on this uh, futurist thing where they read different authors and things like that and they they're expecting you know, all kinds of advanced balloon technology to fly them around or, or whatever whatever their version of it was, all those people are dead now. So I just thought, wow, that, that could very easily be me. That's going to be me because there's, there's no guarantee. I took a critical look at it and I said, okay, well, what are the chances that life extension, uh, extension technology comes out and that uh, A, I'm going to be able to afford it and B, it's going to get like approved within my lifetime for use, you know? And I, I just, you know, I realized, wow, you know, so that, that's one example of where that's just not going to happen. A lot of these things like, uh, and this is like a classic, I don't know, it's a classic uh, point that a lot of grinders bring up that I think Warren Ellis originally brought up is basically the jetpack was has been around since uh, the 1960s, you know, but how come we don't see jetpacks everywhere? It's a technology that's out there and, and we don't have access to it because, I mean, yeah, it, it technically is dangerous. It's something that we we're missing out on. Something that the only way to get it is to go out and make one yourself. There's there's not a lot of people out selling jetpacks right now. Just 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 out of what you've just said in terms of how you're getting into it, I do have a few questions for you, and they might slightly be off the whole biohacking subject, but they're important for me to ask. At the start, you sort of you sort of mentioned that you saw something about about technology becoming useful for people and things like that. Do you think the reason why you sort of got into the technology side is because you almost feel like there's a responsibility from us to sort of excel that technology um, as opposed to just sitting back and looking at it? And the second question I have for you as well is, um, you, you talked about, you know, the actual robots replacing the jobs of the humans. And this is something that I always have an inner conflict with as well, because I'm a programmer. So technically I could create a program that could make someone's job obsolete. So sure. it, you've got that, that balance between, as you say the first half where you're trying to excel the technology and the second half where you've got the responsibility of not you know destroying many people's livelihood but excelling you know the, the whole race of, the, of humans if you like I, I just wonder if that's that's sort of what eventually got you into it or not yeah so um uh, one, one thing that i look at is uh, you know if you if you were to make a program that could replace somebody's job which which I've I've done before, uh, just you know, with really simple programs. In fact, Excel. You know, I've I've replaced several people's job in, a, in an accounting department before. It, it wasn't intentional. You know, it was just a like a byproduct of just the tech the technological reality. And to me, it's the the, the problem isn't that I. The more I look at it, the, the the problem isn't that technology has replaced it. it. The problem is jobs in the first place, in my opinion. You know, I mean, I I don't know a lot of people who just love jobs. You know, there's not a lot of people who wake up and say, 
hooray, my job, you know. There, there are some people who, who genuinely, you know, like Doug, who, who love their job, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's shaking his, his uh, head. Uh, yeah, I know. Like a nodding dog over there. <laughs> but, but honestly, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things that's so... Um, uh, it, it's been so cemented into the narrative because uh, taxes rely on jobs. Our, our GDP relies on jobs to some extent. Production and just... It, it's just... Nobody's out there, no politician is out there right now saying, I want to eliminate all jobs. I want to figure out a way to where no no man will ever have to work again, mm. right? And and why is that? I, I think that that should be part of the narrative. So, and I, I think at one time it was because, you know, we said we can make machines, you know, that will, you know, go out and garden for us or whatever, make, make our food and, and this and that. And, uh, you know, we won't have to rely on manual labor and the sweat of our brow to make to make a living necessarily. But now that's just not that's just not part of the narrative. People want to preserve the jobs. You know, they want to create more jobs and things like that. And a lot of a lot of times these jobs are just bullshit, and they can just be made by a computer program or you know done by computers anyway. So and it's only going to get worse at, at probably an, an exponential rate. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll try not to do too 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 bad of a job. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to have that that extra appeal, haven't you, over a robot? It's got to be something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I, I think uh, I think there are some inevitabilities um, that are on the horizon. I think it's just going to, um, you know, eventually it'll. It, most jobs will be replaced. I mean, other jobs will come and replace those, though. Uh, but it will require a lot of education, I think, for for people to get back into the, the workforce if they want. If that's if that remains the goal is to employ people. So anyway, so that I think maybe addresses part of your second question. I and I forget what the first question was. So. Yeah, the first question was sort of um, you know because because you saw the whole technology becoming like to helping out people. You, yeah. You, like the reason why you got into the whole biohacking scene grinding whatever you want to call it is because you felt like you had a responsibility to aid the development of that sort of technology or like the grind etc yeah well honestly um when i first got into it my my main motivation was just getting it for myself i just i just looked at it and i just said uh, the only way i'm getting that future that i want is to go out and make it myself and and part of that future was you know extra senses and uh, cybernetic enhancements you know basically i wanted to be a cyborg and a mutant and i mean that, that's, that's not a bad shot <laughs> yeah I, that, that, there's no shop for that right now and I, <laughs> I i don't know if there ever will be in my lifetime so becoming like a cyborg and a mutant what implants do you currently have and have you ever had any implants before and then had to remove them if so why were they removed yeah so um yeah i've had like uh okay so I'll give you the rundown. The, the first one I got was a magnet in my finger um, right here. That was done by Steve Hayworth. And that's probably like, you know, what most, a, a lot of grinders start with. Uh, so I got that. Um, after that, I put another magnet in my finger. Well, let's see. No, that was a little later. Um, anyway, I, I put another magnet in this, in this ring finger and it, it rejected. I did it myself and I just, I didn't get it far enough in. And so it just, you know, eventually popped itself out. Um, I had another one in my fist that was like an experimental coating we were working with. Um, I had it in there for probably a year and I, I didn't think that it would stay in because I, it kind of shifted around a bit in the healing process. And I, I think it was too close to the surface. And I thought, oh, this is just coming out for sure. But it, it, it actually took it a full year to make its way out. What was that one again? Sorry. What, what, what was the purpose of that one? Oh, that, that was another magnet. It was basically okay. just it had an experimental coating that we were testing on it. Okay, cool. Was and, that, uh, also one you put in yourself at that time too? Uh, let's see. That one Jeffrey put in for me. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that one I had to remove. 
And I did that with a magnet. I made a YouTube video for it, but I, I just took a hard drive magnet and uh, just sucked it right out. So that's pretty cool. Um, you could go check that out if you want. Um, I'm definitely going to have to search that out now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's somewhere on my YouTube channel. Um, let's see. Then I had my uh, my Tragus magnets, and that, that was what I, what I did for my uh, my uh, headphones. So, you know, on, on either ear here, um, I've got these magnets implanted, and I use I use a coil along with it to uh, transmit audio. And that's probably what that made a lot of headlines for some reason. I I uh, well, I mean, I thought it was cool, but I I don't I never really thought of it as done or complete. It was just, in fact, most of the things I do, I never think of it as complete. They're always like a, a work with in progress. That, with that project, um, uh, with, with the project with that, it's, it's one of the projects that I'm I'm very interested at the moment. Actually, mm -hmm. speaking to Cooper about that is um, like so. I'm really interested in why why you think it wasn't wasn't complete in in general. I know I know obviously how it works with the induction loop and things like that. Um, but what what would you see as as the finishing product for that, or why why do you see it as not finished? Well, basically uh, the the goal in the end is to ditch the coil completely and have everything implanted. You know, so uh, okay. yeah, so that's that, that's going to be the end goal, and uh, that that and also the audio. I, I didn't get enough volume out of the audio like I wanted to. What what sort of audio quality would you would you put it down? Obviously, you say not enough uh, volume, but in terms of the actual quality. Um, yeah, so the the quality was actually surprisingly decent. I, I was I really had low expectations though, mm -hmm. so I, I, I compare it to like a cheap set of earbuds, but it definitely sounds better than a, like a telephone headset uh, handset. So it was a much better than that. Yeah, about like a cheap cheap set of headphones. Cool. Yeah. So you know you can't adjust the bass. It's not it's not in stereo, which you know is a hmm. is a bummer. Any idea of how you would get it to go in stereo? In yeah. Stereo? Yeah. So, so these specific implants, I don't think that I can get to go into stereo, but, um, you know, so basically I'm scheming for a new set of implants huh. that I'd use instead and just upgrade. Yeah. Where basically they, I've got independent units running uh, via Bluetooth or something. Okay. They wireless. So, um, is there any plans for um, an eco location use of the implanted? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, well, the, originally that's that's what I wanted to. Uh, that, that's one of the things I wanted to use my my implants for is to compensate for an eye condition that I have. And at the time, my doctor was telling me that this eye condition was going to. It had only happened in one eye. I, I have uh, like you know severe vision loss in one eye, but it, so it's like legally blind. And he told me that the other eye was going to go any day, you know, any time. And then at that point, I'd be just legally blind. And so the idea was to compensate for that. Uh, I wouldn't be able to drive, wouldn't be able to work anymore. Uh, I'd have to find a, some kind of different work. And um, I had seen that other blind people were going around doing echolocation. I thought, okay, so this is completely doable to be able to navigate by sound. But I didn't want to do like these clicking noises that, that, that some people use to, you know, navigate. I wanted, I didn't want to disturb anyone around me. So I thought, okay, maybe I can figure out some way where, you know, I, I could do this without anybody knowing that it's, that it's actually going on. So uh, I figured, okay, I'll, I'll do these, uh, these audio implants and then have something else that's emitting a, a tone in ultrasound and then, you know, convert it and this and that. So it ended up not working because of the stereo issue in part because, you know, basically I'm, I'm, I'm using mono and I'm trying to uh, identify a direction of, you know, a specific sound or something like that. But uh, just in the process of doing it, I actually, I, I learned a lot more uh, about echolocation and I was approached by uh, a professor from Harvard and, uh, or a former, he was a retired professor from Harvard and he had heard a thing I did on NPR. <clears throat> 
And he basically called me up and he, and he said, hey, look, I, I know the secrets to echolocation. You know, if you want to make a device, I, I did some work on this back in the 80s. It just, it's just sitting there. Nobody's really done anything with it. And, you know, I'll tell you all about it. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I, I'm taking notes. And so it was really fascinating. I, I, I'd love to share that with you guys if, if that's something you want to hear about. But before <laughs> I launch into that, though, do you want to hear about my other implants? Okay. So I'll finish up the my, my other implants and then I'll tell you about the echolocation stuff. So in this middle finger here, I've got a big ass magnet. It's pretty strong. The right it, hand. It's like borderline dangerous strong. You know, uh, if I, I, I mean, if it, if it, you know, hit something else metal, it could just maybe give, give me a lot of tissue damage and just come out. But it's, it's great. I love it. I'm, I, I live with it so far fine. If it does get ripped out, then I'll just get another one and another finger. So there you go. That's the attitude. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Then uh, let's see. Last weekend I went and I got one, you know, this, this one, I, I have a lot of regrets on, but you know, I don't know. I just did it anyway, but I've been working with this subdermal armor. I don't know if Jeffrey talked to you about that at all. Yeah. So basically I, I, I got two shin implants, right? Like foot long rods of this, this armor material that implanted in my shins. And wow, it's, it's been a painful recovery process process. A lot of things that I just didn't foresee, uh, mostly vascular in nature, but we'll see how I feel when I'm completely healed. One of them is already rejected and I had to pull it out a few days ago. And it's actually something that I uh, has caused some family issues for me. I'm, I'm divorced. I've got two kids and I've got joint custody of, of them. And my ex saw this video and freaked out about about the implantation. And basically now I'm, I'm in a situation where I've got to go to court to get my kids back kind of a thing. I have visitation at the moment, but you know, she, she's, she's trying to make it an issue where uh, you know, she's going to tell the judge that I basically I'm a, I'm a crazy guy and look at this video. And on, uh, honestly, you know, that I live in a small town. It's very conservative. People here, they, they see somebody with green hair, you know, and they freak out. It's like the world is ending, you know, or something. So I, it's kind of scary to me to think about going before a judge and, you know, having, having him judge me on, on this uh, implantation because it, it, it looked pretty gruesome too. But anyway, you know, my, my kids didn't see the video or anything like that. So I, I, I don't know what the issue is here really, but anyway, so I guess, I guess, uh, bottom line there is, um, you know, I don't know. I, I might be the first guy who uh, has had, uh, had to fight for his family, you know, and, and, uh, you know, for grinding. I'm, so, I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, it, it does highlight the sort of underlining constraint, obviously on, on a personal level, but for, for, for everyone that's involved in the community, you know, it's, it's one step to get things done and that's, that's massive. But then, you know, it, it's the, the acceptance, the pe people, obviously they fear things they don't understand. Right. So I guess it's going to be one of those, those problems that we all see and we all face and hopefully as a community you know we start we start to make people a bit more aware of, of what it is and you know it's not not harmful we're not doing it to harm anyone in fact we're doing it as the very opposite um and i guess that's that's just something that we all need to take responsibility for and and, and push forward but i hope you get that sorted definitely yeah yeah so it's been a been a rough week i guess but um, yeah, hope, hopefully it'll get sorted out. So I, I've still got one shin implant in and it's, it's healing and, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a slow process. It's been, uh, extremely painful. Hmm. So, Can you describe what it is like a rod or, or what yeah, is I've got the one I pulled that I can run and grab. And I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, hard, it, it's probably hard for the audience to, uh, and then now uh, put a picture up in the show notes if you want. Yeah, sure. I'll go, I'll go snag this real quick. Oh, wow, because uh, I was curious about if it was like a foam or you know what what it actually was. You got rebar in your in your body protecting the bone or what? Rebar? No, 
So actually, this is this is kind of cool, but this is like a foot long and it's flexible. You can see, right? Oh, wow! It's like uh, for the audience. I'll, I'll try my best to do a <laughs> to do a, an audio description. It's like a it's like a big um, noodle. <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, it looks like a latex uh, noodle of sorts or worm. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's it's flexible, uh, which is good because the shin is not straight, right? It it your tibia bends, and it's got um, you know it's it's got some. Uh, some angles on it and things like that. So it's good because it's flexible until it gets hit hard. Uh-huh. And then it's hard as a rock. The entire thing? Yeah. So I can take a, I, well, no, not the entire thing, but basically like Wherever a certain impact. Okay. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, I could take a hammer, do it and just, you know, smack the hell out of it. And it'd be, it, it, you know, it'd basically just harden up and, and it'd be pretty sweet. Sorry. I just, I was squeezing the end of this and uh, blood started squirting out of it. So I was kind of disturbed. <laughs> now, the, now the audience are glad we don't do a video podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, I grabbed this this end um, with with the uh, the uh, forceps and it, it basically pulled it out. It cut it open. And in the process of it being cut open, it absorbed some blood inside of it, it looks like. So I, yeah, that's the only way I can describe how on that, you just like grabbing forceps and pulling it out of your body. Yeah, yeah. Out of my shin. It was... It was grisly. I mean, it just looked horrific, you know. And you and you taped this? And it's on YouTube? Yeah, my, my friend taped it, and I, I haven't seen the video. So it, it might be out there somewhere. I hope not, just considering, you know, it'll probably end up as evidence in front of a judge at some yeah. point. But I, I'm sure it'll surface. So, so what? So, what are you doing? Are you, so, you're going to test out the other one. You're going to wait for it to heal and then see sort of what 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 becomes of it after that, and then mm-hmm. go into other yeah, see, see what kind of uh, protection it offers. But I mean, I've already kind of like uh, I've already kind of thought up another option uh, using you know another an- another uh, non-Newtonian fluid, which essentially uh, hardens. The entire uh, thing would harden um, when it you know if there's any kind of uh, electrical current taken to it. So that's that's something I'd like to experiment with instead. I think if I use some uh, uh, piezoelectric um, uh, materials in conjunction with it to where it, it so that when, you know, it bends, there's any kind of bend like that, it it would cause uh, some kind of a voltage and then and then get get the entire material to stiffen up. So we'll see if that works out and I I'll definitely uh, test that out before I implant it, you know, quite a bit. So so anyway, that, that's my latest one. Any others? Oh, I have an XNT. I don't know if I mentioned that. The XNT is the high frequency one. I didn't know if you had the low frequency or the temperature sensor as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got one of those too. Uh, so, so I've got the biotherm uh, in my forearm. This XNT, I, I don't know what it is. I can't remember. The NFC one? The NFC, yeah. yeah. Have you ever thought about approaching you know, government organizations like NASA with some of the uh, the grinds that you've done to see if they would be interested at all in the technical aspects of it with their plans toward a mission to Mars. Like even though mono, I think you're, you know, having headphones that you never can take off might be an interesting thing inside a helmet. If Damien was here, he'd probably be commenting about it. Just being a motorcycle enthusiast, he's really wanting to get that himself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, actually that's, so that's got a lot of applications uh, just beyond, you know, the, the space stuff. Um, in fact, I think, uh, honestly, it's my opinion that uh, someday these these audio implants will be something that are that are just injectable, like the uh, NFC tags. I think that we can get them down small enough someday that, um, you know, I think there'll be a, an injectable. I think people will get them left and right. To be honest, you know, being able to interface, have an audio interface at will is just so, so useful. So I, I see a lot of applications beyond the NASA stuff, and we'll see... 
we'll see how that goes down there. But, uh, you know, there's other technologies too that I'm sure NASA would have, have uh, an interest in or DARPA. DARPA definitely. Honestly, I, I'm not selling anything. You know, I don't have a company where I'm, I'm peddling stuff like, you know, like a lot of the other guys are. And everything I do is is open source um, or just, you know, community um, contributed. It's kind of like, hey, if you want it, here it is. Go for it. Definitely love that. you got to love the community vibe. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So, so just quickly about, about magnets. You said you, you were trying to get them down to sort of an implantable size. It might be my naivety with magnets. Um, for those of you that don't know, I haven't explored that yet, which is why I'm so interested in it. You said sort of like you can get it down to a small size. So it's not actually the size that dictates the, the volume or... Oh, oh, you're talking about for the uh, the headphones. Yeah, basically the, the headphone implants, I think... I think can be made to be injectable and smaller if, if that's what we're talking about. So yes, yeah. there, a, there, there would be a magnet component to that and, and also a coil, probably like a, uh, a diaphragm of sorts. Um, in which case I cannot wait. Sounds like a speaker being injected in then. Yeah, basically. I mean, I, I, I see it uh, definitely something that's potentially injectable. You know, once once things are miniaturized, it means so. we can save money on those new Apple headphones. <laughs> there, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it's something I'd love, I'd love to definitely see, and I'll definitely be looking out for that. In terms of other interesting things, I've got to ask you while you're on here about the Pleasuretron Nine Thousand. Oh, the the Lovetron Nine Thousand. Yeah, yeah. So that that one, I w- I was hoping to actually unleash at DefCon, but um, you know, I had a malfunction. But essentially, what it is, vibrating pelvic implant it's you know designed to basically you know you'd be able to turn it on and off it'd be totally uh, under the skin you'd be able to shuffle through modes and things like that it, it'd make you a a walking i'm sure there's everyone that is listening to this is just like perked up <laughs> wait what is it what is it i'm sure so so what's the what, what sort of like the the vibrating element to it or how, how are you sort of tackling this this well see now that that's that's kind of where i'm stalled out now um we had just different vibration motors but there's a (laughs) there's a limited amount of uh, real estate to park this thing and so and so we we've got to use a very small motor uh at the same time it has to be super powerful there was a gentleman that i was working with who is actually um in the process of creating this or creating a motor that, that would work for my needs. Uh, he thought that he would have it done in time for DEF CON, but unfortunately it wasn't done. And so we had to go with a lesser motor, which just wasn't as powerful. And I thought, oh, okay, maybe I'll implant it. Then I'll just upgrade later. Let's see the day of implantation. Uh, I was going through some final tests and my device broke. There's basically a, a read switch that was inside that failed. Oh. I'm so lucky that it failed while still outside. I'm sure the the worst time for it to fail is literally just before you're about to use it. <laughs> You'd be so well, confident actually, so and then suddenly. <laughs> funny story, funny story, but that that actually happened too. And um, oh, I, sorry, I, sorry, because while I was while I was external, still, you know, oh, I, wow. I I needed feedback on on the strength. So good testing. It was only testing, testing, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was a it was a test and. Um, so basically, I, I couldn't get the thing to turn on, and we—I was basically using a magnet to flip the reed switch in there and turn the device on. So, for some reason, it just wasn't working. And I and I looked at it; it was charged. Everything was fine there, and I just kept messing with it. And so here, you know, I'm in the middle of this moment, and there's a friend. She's above me, and she's she's, uh, you know, waiting impatiently. And then after about 15 minutes of just frustration, she just she just looks at me and she goes, "You know what?" It happens to a lot of guys. You know, it, th- then when it did turn on, she was like, no, nope, this sucks. It's not strong enough. What's that? I said, at least she was honest about it. Yeah. That, yep, she was honest. I, I appreciated that. 
So yeah, that's like, some good beta testing feedback right there. Nope, yeah. You need a bigger motor. I'm sure if you're looking for more people to, to uh, beta testing for you, also beta testing. I mean, there's a lot of people in the community that would would love to. This this is just right now. Right, right. No, uh, actually, I, I've I've got a lot of. It's funny though, but I've I've got a lot of friends who have volunteered to to do it. And I was like, okay, we're, we're really we really need some before and after data. And they're like, yeah, nice try. Well, they're not interested until then. There's always <laughs> good scientific data. You got to have a baseline. Right. You gotta have multiple groups. You gotta have your placebo and a control. Your control. Yeah. And you gotta test your augmentation. Right. I, and I'd say I try to tell them this, and they just they don't believe in the scientific method. Then they don't. No. They just want to go straight to the augmentation. Okay. So, so that's 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 a project that basically that the, the version that we were working on there is like version like nine. But so there's been a lot of failures, uh, different things, and just whenever I think I've got it down, you know, something else happens. So. Or I'll just hit a roadblock and just there's no solution in sight until you know a new technology comes out or something like that. So at the moment it's a bit stalled out and I'm just kind of waiting for this this other motor to finally be made. And uh, after that I think we'll be back on it. How long have you been working on this project? This is something I started back in um, I want to say 2011 when the Biohack Me boards just had barely started. You know, one of the earlier threads that that, that ever happened on on the forums and everyone thought, oh, this will be something that's so easy. You know, and I, I did too. I thought, okay, you know, I'm gonna get some. I I, I literally started with some uh, uh, ballpoint pen parts and some vi like hobby vibration motors, hacked a bunch of stuff together and, you know, but then it's like, oh, okay, well, how am I gonna charge this? And then, oh, well, what kind of battery am I gonna use? And, and this and that, and it just got more and more complicated. That was just the beginning. The, the, those were the easy problems. I think uh, the, the first the first post on uh, biohack.me is uh, March of 2011. So guys, uh, it's still up there. Uh, it's on, we talked about the forum a lot of times. It's uh, biohack.me, you, you definitely find it there. Uh, I, love, I love this one because whenever I show people the, the, the RFID implants and things, the first question you get from the lads is always, oh, has anyone decided to, to put one right there? Or you're like, yes, yeah. it's the first one you get. So I'm like, well, <laughs> funny you should say that. <laughs> I'm sure there's a future there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, yeah. Before, before we continue the interview with Rich Lee, we are going to give a moment to Body Hacks Con. So uh, want to be more together at 2017, Body Hacks in Austin, Texas, uh, January the 27th to 29th. You will learn throughout a two-track, two-day conference and discover more about the best companies in biohacking. You can connect with your fellow cyborgs at the hub and party in the wormhole. This year, put together, the Body Hacks Fashion Show opens the event on a Friday night at the Austin Convention Center. Uh, be more together at bodyhackingcon.com. To continue our conversation, uh, let's in your own grind, what has been the single best moment of achievement? So, well, okay, basically, my, my I guess my single best uh, grind, probably going to be the headphone implants. It, you know, I think it's, it's, it, it's something that really opened up a lot of different uh, windows, um, opened up my mind to a lot of different senses and things like that. Um, like the echolocation, uh, like, uh, you know, just using uh, audio as a as a substitute port for different things like uh, experiencing heat at a distance. Um, you know, I've hooked up Geiger counters to it, uh, contact microphones, uh, so many different things. So I've experienced a wide range of things just through audio. And that's, that's really been 
uh, powerful, honestly. The all the different experiments I've done with that, I, I really want to explore more too, and you know, figure out a way to you know get like an implanted um, contact microphone and uh, different things like that. I've done uh, with, with the contact microphone. Basically, you can uh, um, hear through walls and things like that. So, so basically, I'd, I'd like one on, you know, maybe the back of my hand or something like that, hooked up to uh, Bluetooth, to where if I, you know, just push the back of my hand to a wall or something like that, I'd be able to, you know, the audio would transmit to to my headphones, and I'd be able to hear what's going on the other side. Um, I, I did another experiment with it too, where I was uh, I was walking down a path here where I live, and I had one down by by my ankles. And basically I was walking down the path and I was hearing this booming noise, like footsteps. And I looked around, I couldn't see anything. I just, I rounded a corner and up maybe a quarter mile up the road, I see this woman jogging and the booming I was hearing were, were her feet on the, on the pavement. I just had this like tremor sense, you know, like anything that was moving around me on the ground, I just would be able to detect like way before it ever got to me, you know, but that was kind of cool. Uh, I've also used it to listen to heartbeats and things like that. Um, it's That was a pretty fun one. The heat sensory one was really cool too. Uh, I didn't have it dialed in as, as much as I wanted, but basically it just, you know, it'd be just like a hissing noise. Um, basically, I just took the uh, the number on this, uh, you know, range thermometer kind of deal. So I, I take the number that it would display and just translated it into audio. And so I get a, like a hissing noise, like if, if there's a object that was hot, you know, and it get louder, um, the hotter it was. So that, that was that was a fun one. Heat sense. Didn't see James Bond getting any of these uh, these gadgets. <laughs> well, yeah, they they could have some pretty cool. They could have some pretty cool, um, you know, uses. I think so. Because you've got, uh, as you say, a fair few different projects you've done or or you're doing. How do you sort of, and also especially on the magnet side, because uh, you know we talk about a lot of, a lot of things about magnets. Uh, when we had Jeff, Jeff, when he was talking about um, challenges with um, lots of different things that are like biosafing. Uh, when we had Tim on as well, he was talking about the problem of power. So with both of those, how how do you sort of in, ensure the safety of what you do from sort of what you put in your body and develop as well? Yeah. Okay. So um, my, I I probably use the same protocols that that uh, Jeffrey does, but basically the FDA has a list of materials that are uh, that they've approved for use in the body. To be honest, there's a few on this list that uh, probably shouldn't even be on the list at this point, but they, they're just grandfathered in. But anyway, so there's a lot of materials that, that are known to be safe. Um, I basically just choose from those materials as like uh, the, the housing portion. And depending on the device that's enclosed inside, like with Electron 9000, that's, that's a device that has a lot of moving parts, well, it has some moving parts, and it's actually vibrating at at a speed that you know if if i have a housing that's uh say like some some like a stiff pvc or something like that or or it's mounted to just say there's pcb boards inside of it you know that there's a chance that the vibrations can knock off small particulates of the housing um or pieces of the pcb board and these uh particulates could you know get caught between my main my main uh coating right my main bioproofing and you know the rest of the device and over time just wear a hole in it you know so there's there's all kinds of little things that you've got to look at when you uh, are considering the structure of the device um, too. I mean, just just re- your regular engineering stuff, you know, like shear lines and and uh, and and things like that in the material are going to be very important um, because you know you you mess up one thing and it's 
it's uh, and you can be dead basically. Mm-hmm. So um, the community as a whole, we've we've got some really cool stuff that Grindhouse has uh, come out with. You know, like their their North Star thing and things like that. That doesn't have moving parts or anything, but it does have you know battery and things like that. So that allows for a lot lot more flexibility as far as uh, materials go. Um, but they had to take into consideration a lot of different things too, you know, um, just to maintain the, the structural integrity of their implant so that you didn't have uh, the skin, you know, crushing or the rest of the body crushing uh, components and things like that inside. Um, so there's a lot of consideration taken into, uh, you know, what materials get used in, in any implant because no, nobody wants to end up dead. You know, I don't know anyone who's recklessly making implants out there, to be honest with you. Um, not that there haven't been failures, you know, because we, we run into failures all the time. Um, the process, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and honestly, I, there have been other materials that I've experimented with too, like, uh, like this uh, implant that was in my fist that I had to extract. And, you know, that's, that's something that I def- definitely don't recommend to everyone, but it's something that, you know, I thought, oh, this, this looks pretty legit. Let's say um, did some research on it and, uh, and decided to, to give it a shot, which, Funny enough, back in the day, like uh, 50s, 60s and things like that, this is the way that that uh, people used to do it. If they wanted to test the, the biosafety of, of, a, of a material, uh, you'd have these guys like actually like cut open their leg and put a piece of material in, sew it up and see how it fared. Or they go and they they go home and they implant their dog, you know, which is wow. kind of mean. But this was very common. You didn't you didn't have a you didn't have the, the kind of uh, process that the FDA has now. Right. But. At the same time, you know, you, you had like some major strides and major advances, like things that happened a lot faster back then, you know, so uh, the, the old school guys, this is, we're basically, we're basically doing it the way that they did back in the day, as we looked at it, and we said, wow, this looks safe, you know, what? I'm gonna, I'm willing to bet, um, bet my right leg on it, you know, and then they <laughs> and plan a piece of this material it kind of um reminds me uh cooper of when we were doing that news week uh and talking about the face transplant uh i think i can't remember now i think the end quote was something about the fact that it's the people that take the risks and the people that push things forward so it's, it's nice to loop that back to one of our i think that was week two week two uh news news country there or something like that. true correct <laughs> me if i'm wrong there <laughs> Uh, that's something I'll have to look at uh, and see which one it was uh, between the two news uh, episodes we did. But yeah, every push just pushes that, that much forward. And speaking of pushing, uh, what aspects of your own projects would, would you say make them unique in the grinding world? Um, that's a good question. I, I, I don't know. Um, different aspects. I, I guess I'm pretty, I'm pretty daring. Um, I, I take, I take risks, I guess. I think uh, so a lot of people like just hit a situation of like analysis paralysis where like, well, here's something I made. It, it probably should work. And but I, I think they don't pull the trigger on it. So, um, but I don't know. There's a lot of people out there that are just like me too. But I don't know how unique I am other than, uh, you know, other than I, I pull the trigger faster than most people do and it's probably faster than I should. I don't know. <laughs> it's definitely a strength, I think. <laughs> Yeah. This means you're a lot braver than I am, sir. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. We'll kind of inspiring at the same time. expectancy is probably lower. <laughs> if, if, there was, if there was one thing you'd want to say to someone uh, thinking about getting their first body modification, obviously you've, you've had a few and you still do. Um, what would you sort of say to them to sort of ease their concerns or, or any advice that you'd have for them? Um, I, I guess what I'd tell them is uh, once you do it, uh, I don't think you'll regret it um, if you 
you know, for, for talking about some of the, the grinds that, that I've done. If anything, you'll just end up more educated and uh, or figure out uh, something. But it, it'll probably leave you wanting more. So be prepared for that. Because once you get a taste for it, uh, most people, they're just going to want more. Yeah, we've definitely seen that. <laughs> yeah, and I... I I think that that uh, for me, I mean, you know, if I lost any of my implants, uh, I'd, I'd be super sad, you know, mm. and, and I am whenever I do lose an implant, and I'd want it back. So, so yeah, it's it, it becomes a part of you and a part of your experience. So that I guess I guess that'd be my uh, my uh, my spiel to a new a newbie. <laughs> I think it. Um, it- <laughs> I'm going to bring this back. I, th- I think he's uh, supporting my argument for uh, what is biohacking here. So I think I've, I've won that one again from the same news week. I'm only going to say Damien's not here because <laughs> otherwise there'd be an argument. Well, uh, you guys have a uh, debate on the definition or, or uh, a debate yeah. on Yeah, well, so basically we were trying to work out uh, biohacking versus um, wearable tech. So it's uh, that conversation. <laughs> when it comes down to it, I think it, nobody has a straight answer on that. Everything's a little bit off kilter. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, I can tell you my, I can share you like my opinion on it. And, and why, okay, and why, why I like things that are implanted versus uh, uh, wearable or you know just uh, external devices. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like the, uh, the implanted stuff and 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 usually i my my idea is like if if you can go to jail with it then it's cool <laughs> if it gets confiscated then then bummer but uh the, the great thing about, a new quote for this week <laughs> so can we go ahead and ask this question now since yeah. i have you now now that we're thinking about it yeah. One of the questions that stood out or answers that stood out from last week totally became uh, a quote from Tim Cannon on a, the back of a t-shirt is on sale now at Teenspring. Can I get you to say yes to a t-shirt with uh, that quote <laughs> on the back of it? You know, if you can you know, go to jail with it in you, it's cool. <laughs> yes, that, that should be. <laughs> if you can take it to jail with you then awesome <laughs> see, see that that's if it doesn't get yeah. confiscated when you go to jail that's that's a really easy way of defining basically body <laughs> versus wearable i quite like that yeah i like yeah, the I like, de- like the very clear definition on that so, so speaking of- honestly though that that's only part of it and so so basically what i was oh. going to propose here <laughs> is that uh um with an external device right uh basically you you go around the world uh and you say oh um here's an object i'm going to test it with this um you know this this thermal sensor right to detect its temperature from afar and then you get a reading on it right and then you walk somewhere and then look at something else and get a reading or, or something but if something's a part of you is always going the the great thing about about that is that it's going to be the unexpected things that you're not looking for right that are really going to enrich your experience with it so for example spider story so basically I, I, on the forum somebody came on and said hey i had this weird experience with a spider in my in my garden i went outside there's a big spider web and right in the middle is a, a really big spider and i couldn't tell if it was alive or dead so i I stretched my hand out towards it and the spider started jumping around on the web and shaking the web web really violently and it scared him. So he, you know, retracted his hand and, and he thought, oh, okay, it's alive. And then, you know, the, the web stopped shaking and then he, he put his hand towards it again. It, it did the same thing. He put his other hand towards it and it didn't do anything. And they thought, I wonder if this is because I have a magnet in one of my hands. And so he started doing this test, right? And and come to find out it, it was the, the spider and the web were shaking, um, it looked like in response to the magnet. And so, you know, he got on the forum and said, did, does, does, did anyone else have this experience? And so everyone went out like 
trying to find spiders on a spider web, myself included. I, I just thought this was like the coolest thing. And uh, so I actually contacted the American Arachnid Society. And I said, hey, have you, do you guys know anything about spiders and magnets? Here's this thing that we're experiencing. And they, they said, no, we don't know anything about this. This is really interesting. And so it, it kind of became a race, like uh, who's going to find out first, you know, what's going on here. So in the end, uh, we figured it out. Basically, um, it the spider in the center of the web um, was helping in this process, but it turns out that it was actually a property of the web uh, and, and not the, the spider itself. But uh, the web is charged. It has a charge. And when like a fly goes by the web, the web actually comes out and, and snags the fly a little bit. It'll actually move. But this, this weight in the center of this web that's charged, you know, as a magnet approaches, it causes causes this weird shaking sensation. So, and that's something like that the, the, the spider guys like didn't know about, you know, they, they knew that, uh, webs had a charge, but they just, you know, they, they, they couldn't put together this phenomenon. But it's it's examples like that, right, where you're just encountering the world every day with a new sense or with, with this new uh, thing that you have, and you experience an anomaly, right? Something that's just out of the normal, uh, out of the norm. And, and those are the, really the things that enhance your life. Because if lots of people have magnets as an external, you know, uh, if we view them as an external device, a lot of people can carry around magnets and just say, Oh, hey, I wonder what happens if I test this on this object, you know, and then they'll they'll pull it out and use it. But uh, the real magic happens when you're not looking for something and it's always going, you know, and then you, you make new discoveries. So that's so that's my opinion on it, on, on the, uh, the the wearable, you know, external device versus implant. That's I like it. I like it. That's that's really a good insight. You're just making me want that much more a magnet so I can experience some of this. Um, yeah, they're worth it. That um, really, what do you what do you see the future for biohacking? You know, five, ten, twenty years. You know, give us a give us a prophecy, sir. Okay, so my prophecy will be uh, <clears throat> when all the floods and earthquakes are over. No, uh, okay, so I'll give you my hope. My hope is that in the future, uh, basically, people will just see the body as something that is changeable, right, and something that that can be changed. You know. Uh, either through, um, you know, an injectable implant, something more invasive, uh, and it could be electronic, a metamaterial meta or a, like a, um, a biological intervention, just all kinds of different things to change uh, the way we experience things. So this, this includes all of our senses, right? Um, I, I foresee all kinds of different senses coming, uh, coming into the scenario. Um, I think we're not too far from something like an ultraviolet, um, uh, be, being able to view things in ultraviolet. Um, let's see, besides senses, I mean, th so that, that'll basically change a lot of different things like art and film, right? We'll also have to in include new colors and things like that. Um, that's going to be a big change. Uh, but also just the idea that um, it doesn't matter how you were born, right? You can, you can change a lot of the, these traits that you were born with. I think that's going to be a big a big thing. So, I mean, this, uh, I mean, you know, you, if you want straight hair, someday you'll be able to have straight hair or curly hair, you know, or red hair or brown hair or green eyes or blue eyes or black eyes or red eyes, uh, blue skin, green skin, black skin, white skin. I think all kinds of things like this, right? And so honestly, in the end, um, being, let's say a white dude, right, is a choice you make right? Because it could be changed at any point. Um, being uh, basically all these different things that the, the way that you were born will be um, just something that is a default, but every part of that is a choice at some point. Total customization. So I, I think that I see a lot of these things as being like, like tattoos, right? Of the future. 
different different body mods and different uh, things like that. I mean, just even cosmetic things, you know. Um, but so much of our identity uh, right now uh, stems from you know our our place in in a caste like a, a class system, or in a lot of countries it, it's based on race or uh, something like that, right? And you know we're different. Uh, you know, ethnic minorities or something like that have different advantages and privileges in different areas and things like that. And I, I see all these things as being uh, completely changeable and completely flexible in the future. And I think that a lot of people's identity will be in a state of crisis because of that. I can only hope that that pushes more towards the actual being as opposed to, you know, the, all the aesthetic points of view, you know, people value people for who they are as opposed to what they look like or where they come from. Now, ultimately, I think that's what will happen. Yeah, be a lovely, lovely place to be, I think. Just before we finish up, I've got another question for you obviously you, you've been doing this for a while and I just wondered sort of if you have a one light bulb moment where uh, along the way where you were like ah you know sort of that aha moment or if you've had a few of them if you can sort of pinpoint down to those moments uh, let's see so there are a few moments um I, actually, there are a lot of moments when uh, I've had failures and then I've, I've run across a technology or somebody tells me about something and I think, you know, aha, this will work for this, you know, and, you know, Eureka, this is this is the solution to this uh, this uh, technical hurdle that I've had. A good example of that was was the echolocation project and um, that uh, professor from Harvard reaching out to me on that topic. No, that was a lot of ahas there. I'm trying to think of some other ones, but... <laughs> I mean, if that's the, if that's the most important moment, you know, it's, it's a very very sort of a personal story that becomes behind it as well. I think um, so. It's quite nice to have like a human moment, if you like, in a world that's going less and less human. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of glad it's going less and less human myself. But <laughs> there we go. Can't be a bad thing. Can't be a bad thing. So I've I've got to ask about. Um, the headphone things again i mean like so when i was young i built this like uh you know the headphones with the whole induction coil around the neck and i actually got some some magnets and put them in my ears to create the whole speaker sort of system um so i've got to ask you like you know how, yeah. how is it that you still got them in and things like that or and also yeah. the, the other thing that kind of was worrying me um was you know i wanted to get it done the first thing that i got into the biohacking scene it was like the, the go-to thing but then it, i sort of heard that magnets were coated and they weren't then there were some problems and now they're great again and then they're easy to get and now they're not so you know, how, how would i sort of go about and get getting this kind of thing done so uh, basically you definitely need coated magnets and uh there are a few people that sell them uh on the forums and things like that alternatively uh you know if you want a a really good job done i'd, I'd go to a body modification person um i Steve Hayworth's done a lot of work for me. Uh, he's fantastic. Basically, so experienced that uh, you know that the, the entire process is really just a quick, um, a quick a nick and then a cut. Uh, you know, a, a nick and then insert it and then a stitch and it's over before you know it. When I've done them myself, they they definitely take a lot longer. Uh, it's a lot more painful. Um, if it's a finger magnet, uh, basically what you can do for to manage pain is uh, you put your finger in a glove and then you put your glove in and some ice and just wait till it turns numb. And once it turns numb, you know, there's a cut, uh, you're still going to feel some pain, but it's nothing like, like you'd feel if it wasn't numb from the ice. Uh, and so, so that's, that's a easier method for pain management, you know, so, um, over, over in the, the UK over here, we haven't got too much to uh, pick from in terms of pain management solutions. So right. uh, I think we have the, is it, is it Emla cream? I'm going to say the wrong, right? Emla cream is like a tropical anesthetic. Uh, so you can pick that up. Apart from that, uh, well, uh, you know, just grin and bear. <laughs> 
or uh, I think some tattooists have the, the, the special sort of green liquid. You don't advise uh, lipo injections, anything like that? Well, technically, um, technically, like uh, in body modification and things like that, they're they're not allowed to administer um, lidocaine and, and things like that. So uh, you know, sometimes like in the grinding community, you know, if we're doing our own procedures on each other, you know, sometimes we'll just order some online, and then you know, if it's a grizzly procedure, we'll just you know in, in, inject ourselves or or something like that. Technically, if you're not an anesthesiologist, I'm not sure that you're supposed to be injecting anyone else. Um, but you know, it happens. Uh, not like we're, uh, but now if you have a business, like you're, you're a body modification expert and you make a living doing this, you definitely can't go injecting people with lidocaine. Uh, otherwise you're going to run into all kinds of, uh, legal issues. So, but you know, they'll use things like ice and, and that's a good workaround, especially for the, the finger magnets, because sticking a needle of lidocaine in your finger is, uh, you know, probably more painful than if, if you just went the route of, uh, just grinning and bearing. Yeah. Just, just ice it and just go with it because it's, if a professional's doing it, it's, it's over pretty quick. You know, I, I definitely recommend the the professional route over the, the DIY route when it comes to that stuff. And then, you know, you can kind of look at their, uh, their method, you know, the way they did it and everything too, and take some notes and, and, and really appreciate it later. If you decided to go the DIY route, you know, why they did what they did and marvel at their efficiency. Yeah. So it's, uh, it sounds like it's similar to the UK laws, um, you know, like it is here in the U S yeah, I think I think I was speaking to uh, like Amor as, as well when I was going to get my flex uh, implanted, and um, we were talking about the fact that you know, like uh, in the US, you have a lot of you know, there's a lot of doctors you can go directly to, or plastic surgeons you can go directly to and, and pay, and they do it, and you walk out ten minutes later, kind of thing. In the UK, it just uh, it might just be because of the general healthcare system and things like that. It's it's very sort of difficult even through through private healthcare to get someone to to back that kind of procedure. Oh yeah. Um, so I mean, you know, the number one go to is obviously tattooists. And pierces and, and things like that. It's just what they're allowed to administer, like you say, is, is very limited. Right, right. And, and here in the US, basically the, the rule is, is if you're a doctor and you're going to implant something in somebody, it's got to be FDA approved as a, as a, as a device that you can implant. Um, otherwise, forget about it. But, but the funny thing is, is if it is FDA approved, you can really implant it anywhere you want. Uh, so if you're a doctor, so you could get really creative, I guess, technically, if you wanted and implant, I don't know, a bedpan in somebody's back or something. I don't know. I just, I just, imagining here but basically if it's fda approved and it's fun <laughs> then it, the, it's up to the doctor to decide its use within the body so the magnets and things like that like aren't fda approved uh, you know no, there's no real medical use for them and and so that's where that's where doctors are just like you know they don't want to they don't want to deal with things like this you know, yes, probably a risk on their part. They're not willing to take right. as well, you know, all those years. Yeah. yeah, no medical need. And then so that they're, they're out. Yeah. So the thing is the Becca location, you want to hear about that? Yeah. So um, like I said, this, uh, this professor from retired professor from Harvard contacted me told me about his work with echolocation. It was really interesting. And he said, he said, okay, Rich, what you, if you want to do echolocation, what you need to do is cancel something called the precedence effect. Then he explained the precedence effect to me. And he says, okay, so if you, if you were to go into a canyon and you clap your hands, would you hear an echo? And I said, yes. And he says, if you're in a parking garage and you clap your hands, do you hear an echo? And again, I said, yes. And, and he says, now say we're in a small room and you clap your hands, do you hear an echo? And I said, no. And he says, but is the echo still there? And I said, yeah, technically. I, you know, I clap my hands and it's going to bounce off the walls. The, the sound will bounce off the walls and come, come back to me. And he says, the reason it doesn't make an echo is because of the precedence effect. What, happened, what happens is your mind, the, the, the audio uh, uh, cortex or whatever it's called, um, 
basically plays an illusion it, it creates an illusion where if it hears two of a, an identical sound like within a few milliseconds of each other it will mute the second sound so that you only hear the first sound so in in your mind it creates this illusion where it it instantly like forgets the, the the second noise that's made now from an evolutionary perspective this makes sense because you know let's say if you're you're hunting uh, an animal inside of a cave or something right and then and then it squeaks you, you have to identify the source of of this squeaking noise uh, be able to identify the source of it really quick if that we didn't have the precedence effect then basically we'd hear a squeak and then another squeak uh, bouncing off the wall and coming back at us and we'd have to determine the source of the sound we might not know if the source of the sound is this the wall or you know this this uh, where where the sound originated from and so i i messed around with this a little bit you know and and he said the way that he figured this out is that uh he had a pair of, of shooting earmuffs which you know if you if you shoot a gun you, you might have these earmuffs and once uh, the noise is over a certain decibel level uh basically the microphones in these earmuffs uh turn off and and mute so that you know you don't have to listen to the loud bang of your gun but then they'll come right back on and you can hear hear each other talk or, or things like that so it just so happened that when he was out shooting um the microphones turned off and then when they turned back on he was hearing a shot from uh, he was hearing a, an echo from a shot that somebody else had taken um that was bouncing back to him and it sounded like there was another a shooter another shooter around so he so he you know turned around to see you know who was shooting but it was just the return echo so he did more experience experiments with this and in the end so that's that turns out to be the secret is if you can cancel the precedence effect uh basically any noise that you make you're going to be able to hear it bounce off of objects around you and it's going to sound like the origin of that noise is whatever object it's bouncing off of essentially at this point uh we've we've done a few different, there's a few different ways we've experimented with this. Uh, somebody on the forum made a, a cool Python program. Um, if you do Python, you can mess around with it. I couldn't get the program to work exactly uh, like like he had it coded, but you guys can mess around with it. You might might be able to figure it out more than I did. But Sounds like every Python script I've used. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite good at going. <laughs> and it is Python 2 that's important because uh, yeah. I, I tried to do it in, in Python 3 and it didn't work. But So basically he used a, a Fourier transform and, um, and was able to cancel out the... Uh, original noise so that you'd only hear uh, on a certain audio file, um, you know, the, the returning noise. Something, the device that I want to create uh, would involve a heterodyne, um, which is something used in uh, telephones a lot, where you basically add a frequency to uh, another frequency, or you can subtract a frequency from uh, an, an input frequency and change the tone of something, uh, basically. And so I want to use ultrasound, uh, like loud ultrasound chirps, that nobody is going to be able to hear, um, you know, and then convert them into an audible tone and, and be able to, to mess around with that. So the, the, the cool thing about it is I've, I've messed around a little bit with it, with, with the uh, precedence effect using, using a device. It was, it was really, it was, it was a really profound experience. I was in the kitchen, my ex, I was just listening to things. I didn't, I couldn't really tell, you know, what I was hearing exactly other than there's just like a lot of noise in the room. But then my uh, ex-wife opened up a door behind me and I didn't know that she had opened up this door, but all of a sudden I became aware of this space, you know, behind me that had just become, just opened up all of a sudden out of nowhere. And I whirled around because just the, the audio change was just so, it was so rich, you know, and it was such like a, something that you don't even have to be trained on. It's like, uh, 
all of a sudden the audio just changes, you know, in your, you know, in your ears. And I, I just spun around and I looked and, and she had opened up the door and I just thought, wow, this is amazing. I just all of a sudden became aware of all this space behind me. You know, even though I wasn't looking at it, I just became aware of like, I could tell you ex exactly like, you know, approximately how large the room was, you know, uh, by, by this sense. And I mean, I live here, so I, I guess that's not much of a, uh, a convincer, but, but I'm, I'm confident I could do it in, in a, other situations too, at, at other places. But that's one of those experiences where uh, I, I guess that's another kind of aha moment, I, I suppose, is uh, that happened and it was so, it was so powerful that I thought, you know, if, if people could do this all the time and maybe even just with an external hearing device or something like that, I think I think once people experience this, they they won't want to go back. They'll they'll have this this uh, new sense, uh, this new spatial awareness, and then I think I think people would make uh, make smaller devices or and eventually implantable devices just so that people can can have this at all times. That's my echolocation story. Further question about just the earbuds uh, as a whole coil and the board that's attached to it that you use to power uh, the implanted uh, magnets. Is that up on GitHub or something? Or is that on biohack.me? You know, have you shared that design? Uh, yeah, no, yeah, actually. So I just pulled it from an instructable and, and actually it's, it's uh, basically what Cursor was talking about with the, the magnets, like, and the magnet and coil setup that you made. Like, honestly, there's it, it's it's the same thing. The the coil and just instead of a magnet in your ear, it's literally just implanted. So it, it really wasn't that high tech of a of a thing. I'm trying to find the uh, trying to find a link I can send you. Yeah, and then we can uh, put that in the show notes for anybody that's uh, interested in testing that out for themselves later on. Because I'm sure you know basically all of us cursor. Damien and me are all very much so interested in experiencing that ourselves. Definitely would like to see some more advances with that, somehow being able to isolate each ear, um, maybe Bluetooth, so you can connect it to your phone as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I've, so the, the link I'm supplying is basically the first thing that I, I tried out, and then I've tried different coil configurations since then. I've My latest one uses a Bluetooth setup so that you don't actually have to plug something into it. Nice. Yeah, we'll definitely have have that for the show notes for everybody uh so they'll be able to see that is there anything else you want to talk about like are any projects that you have on the drawing board that you haven't uh shared with us yet any any ideas that you're just wanting to work through and want to reach out to the community for further assistance on i've got hundreds of uh different projects and so if anyone wants to reach out basically all they have to do is tell me what their what their specialty is uh you know if you're an audio engineer let me know if you're uh geez i don't know you know if you're if you're a biologist, basically, I'd, I'd have a job for just about anyone. But I've got over a over 130 different projects, basically, that, that are in different different phases of uh, development, either feasibility mode or uh, or um, you know I'm stalled out on on something else. So there's a there's a lot of different things there <laughs> going on. Do you have that posted to like a blog or a personal website or anything? Just talking about all your projects that you're working on. Uh, different projects. Yeah, I could probably get you something. I've got a Google Doc that's really kind of meant. Yeah, it's not very. It's not very good. I don't know if I'd go comfortable sharing it with the world, but. Uh, would, would, would the best place, sorry, uh, be the forums then, if people wanted to get involved? But yeah, or you know, you can contact me uh, at my email. Uh, right now, I don't have a lot of uh, social media going on for legal reasons. So all that's shut down temporarily, uh, but you're welcome to reach me at email. I'm at uh, emails megalorich at gmail.com. That's M-E-G-A-L-O-R-I-C-H at gmail.com. If you've got uh, 
you know, specialty and just want to contribute, I might have a project for you. <laughs> just let me know. I just want to say thanks again to uh, Rich Leaf from, for talking to us today. He's a community guy, as we spoke about. So it's available. As you see, most of these postings are on uh, forms like biohack.me. Uh, especially if you want to check those out, definitely. Now, if you like what we're doing and you want to support our efforts, please go to our homepage, which is dangerousminds.io, and click the image of the T-shirts and hoodies, and it will take you to our Teespring sale. 100% of the campaign will go towards the podcast, so check them out, and there's stickers and things up there as well. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, and RSS feeds, uh, or Antennapod, if like Cooper, <laughs> you like the open source solution. And we want to thank you again uh, to listening to us Explore further the tech and the people behind it within the fastly growing community of biohacking, grinding, and plantable technology today. Please feel free to reach out to us with questions or comments. You're welcome to find us at dangerousthings.io and perhaps one day talk to you about the work or the projects you're exploring and developing. Till next week, seek the spark. Science for life, and that's my direction. Instead of be balls, my home is throw exceptions.